Hello and welcome to the Victory Bell, the podcast. I am your host, Paul Oren, the founder and editor of thevictorybell.com. You can find me at Twitter, TVB Oren, again at Twitter, TVB Oren, if that's a place that you are still dancing around on the internet. And you can also find the Victory Bell, the podcast, all over the place, Apple Pods, Google Pods, Spotify, uh, just really all over the internet. But definitely you should go to thevictorybell.com. You can find the podcast there, as well as a host of other stories. Had a couple of good ones last week uh, leading up to the men's and women's basketball season openers. Had a good story I really enjoyed on uh, on a trio of women from the from the women's basketball team, Ava, Katie, and Jada, who, uh, who, who went and worked with Grace White at her camp during the summer and kind of these three women saying, look, we are, we're going to make an impact this year. And they certainly did in the season opening win against Central Michigan. Big win there, 71 to 64, I believe was the final. Katie Byer had a, just a, an amazing game coming off the bench, playing 17 minutes. I think she had a 10 or 11 points, um, more minutes in this game than she's had in her career in the last two years. And so, uh, so good things for Valpo. Had a, another column that I wrote on the men's basketball team, kind of talking about the hope is in the unknown. They've got Ben Cricky, they've got Kobe King, they've got those two kind of star players. What else do they have? Uh, and, and part of it was, as I sat down to go through my thoughts on the season, you know, going into the season, I kind of was dancing around of, of, of there's a lot of unknown and, and also dancing around of like, how is this year going to be different? All these other years, and I write about it in the column, all this potential, right? I, I go through the last five years of kind of saying, hey, is Valpo going to be good? Here's why they were going to be good. Here's what actually happened. And uh, and so I don't I don't have the answers this year. And and I actually said, I don't, I'm not even sure if I know what the questions are. And then I go player by player, and I kind of said, every guy on this roster has got a, a question mark around them. So if you have not seen that article yet, I think it does a good job of laying the groundwork for the season. And then there's obviously, uh, I went to Toledo and, uh, and and watched a very rough start to the season. The first eight minutes, probably as bad as could be expected uh, or, or could be thought up. Really, the first 20 weren't great. Valpo down 26 points at the half. And then they played fantastic in the second half. Now you can argue, did Toledo take their foot off the gas? Did they not? Valpo shot 70%. And you know, I don't care who's on the floor. You shoot 70%. That's not a bad number. So it, it was it was a very, very, very bad start to the year, but it happened. And, and, and now you pick up the pieces and Valpo is going to play this weekend on Sunday. They've got their home opener against Western Michigan. Kind of caps off a big weekend of events at the Athletics Recreation Center and really for Valparaiso University in general. Friday night, and today's Friday, I'm recording this. Happy Veterans Day. Thank you to all who have served. Uh, Friday night, Valpo Volleyball starts uh, three games in the next, um, what is it, six days, basically, or five days, um, the final three matches of the regular season. And if they win one, uh, I think they clinch a winning record in the conference slate. If they, uh, if they can get, uh, and, and now they're playing for seeding in the conference tournament. So you've got that. And then women's basketball with their home opener against Southern Miss on Saturday should be a fun fun game at the arc. So back-to-back women's basketball and volleyball on Saturday. The football team on the road at Marist and had a chance to talk to Landon Fox earlier in the week. And I'll put a I'll put a blurb up on the victory bell ahead of Saturday's game for you to see, again, what uh, what they've got in mind here is they are, you know, they win the next two. They finish with a winning record. They drop this one on on Saturday. I think there's a real conversation about what, what do you what are you aiming for out of the regular season finale? Do you do you go young? Do you play the normal guys? All of that, um, kind of an interesting. And that was that was the topics that I talked to Landon about. So I'll have a piece up on uh, on the Victory Bell here uh, on on Saturday morning, taking a look at that football game against Marist. That's coming up. Got a fun podcast for you today. One that I've really wanted to do for a long time. I've got former Valpo men's soccer coach Mike Avery on the pod, and he has got a you know the, the soccer program got cut a couple of years ago, right before COVID hit. Kind of an unpopular decision among many. Uh, we briefly talk about that. I want to be clear that uh, 
you know, we, we briefly talk about that. I didn't want to relitigate something that happened three years ago. You know, we've, we've moved on from a lot of that. Um, and, and, and quite frankly, Mike isn't the kind of guy that was going to go back and, and say anything negative, right? You know, he, he kind of takes us through a little bit of it, but, but Mike uh, just, I thought, has some really good thoughts on it, really good takes on, on all of that. Uh, but that's not, and I'll say this during the pod with him, that's not why he's on the podcast. I, I, I've always wanted to talk to Mike kind of publicly about some of this stuff, but the reason why I've got Mike on the podcast is he has done some great work with uh, this this company that he started called Center Circle Influencers. And he is doing a lot of like team building stuff and he's working with volleyball and men's basketball. He meets with them weekly for culture meetings and there's just some really interesting stuff there. So he met with the team, the men's basketball team, two days after they lost to Toledo. And, and he's going to talk to us later on in the pod about what that conversation was like and about where kind of the team goes from there. And I just, I just think it's a really, really good conversation. There's a whole litany of other stuff we'll talk to Mike about as well. Working with the volleyball team, we'll talk about uh, his two sons that he's got. One's a freshman at VU, one's a freshman at Valpo High School, going to be on the basketball team. Talk about the upcoming World Cup and kind of how they built out the men's roster, which was just released. It's just a lot of good stuff, right? Like, like I say this during the pod interview with him, just Mike Avery is the kind of guy that I want to be in business with. He's the kind of guy that just, it's fun to talk to him. He's got such a fun view on life. I think part of that is, I know that he and I share a lot of same musical interests. So we just kind of have a like a, a good vibe when it comes to that. And and I just, I really truly enjoyed talking to him about team building, about culture, about the One Valpo Promise and kind of the, the way that that was born a couple of years ago. He talks about that. So I think you'll find the conversation really refreshing. We'll go much deeper into men's basketball, women's basketball, and kind of the output on the court. I wanted to wait until I got to see uh, how men's basketball is going to respond to this game at Toledo. And I also wanted to see the women's basketball team in person before I kind of d- dive deep into that. So Monday morning, you can expect a podcast or Monday afternoon. At some point on Monday, you, you can expect uh, a podcast of me kind of going through some of that stuff. Obviously, the victorybell.com will have all these games covered. If you haven't subscribed yet, please go there. It's $5 a month. It's $49.99 for the entire year. And you get all these stories. You get access to all of this. And really next week, I'm going to be telling you about something fun that all of our paid subscribers are going to have access to. So victorybell.com, $5 a month, $49.99 for the entire year, thevictorybell.com. Please go check that out. Uh, Without further ado, I want to shift it over to this interview. I think you're truly going to enjoy this one. I had a blast doing it. I'm going to go back and listen to this one, too. I just, I think that this is so, so fun, good stuff. Here's Mike Avery. We are back on the Victory Bell, the podcast, and I have got a great guest in here today, someone who I've, I've really always wanted to talk to. Thought for a while I was never going to get a chance because it kind of things went the way they did, but we've got Mike Avery here, a longtime coach of the Valparaiso men's soccer team and longtime fan in the stands of the Valparaiso volleyball team and just really all-around good guy. Mike, thanks for joining Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. It's always weird to do these grandstanding introductions when we're just sitting in a room just talking to each other, but we are performing in this. Look, you've got a very interesting relationship with Valparaiso University. You're, uh, you've coached here. Your wife is the coach of the volleyball team. You've got a child here now. First of all, what's that like, having a kid in college who now goes and is kind of being his own man here? Oh, it's been awesome. He's, first of all, he's living his best life, Alex. He's a freshman. You know, we used to joke about it back in the older days when he was young. He was probably three or four years old, and he would be raging around the Ark. Um, they called the Ark Alex Roddy's Clubhouse because A-Rod was his, his, is his nickname, A-Rod's Clubhouse. And now that he's here and it's still his clubhouse, he's running the place over there now. He's working in the ticket office and really enjoying his time here, and we couldn't be more happy that he's here. It's great. He's been at – he was at a bunch of the soccer matches, uh, you know, all – I always wondered if he was a good luck charm or a bad luck charm because every once in a while he'd show up and they'd score a goal right away and then he'd show up and they'd, they'd give up a goal. And so it's just been fun. I mean, I, I knew him when he was a young kid crawling around and all of that, watching KJ too kind of come into his own. I think he's taller than all of you now. Yeah, KJ's winning the, the battle there for sure and he's going to keep going. He's probably 6'2 now. So He's a freshman at Valpo High School. Yeah, I've got looking... two freshmen in the house. I don't know how that happened. That's you know, good. Turned around and all of a sudden they're grown up. 
Is he uh, KJ's? A, he's uh, Alex played soccer, but yeah. KJ's playing basketball, right? Yeah, he's full time into basketball. It was a heartbreaker for me that he gave up soccer because he was quite good at it. But he's 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 a talented basketball athlete. It's really been fun for Karen and I. He he's probably the most disciplined athlete I've ever been around. Really, um, he comes in every morning. You'll catch him in the arc at you know, five thirty a.m. shooting before he goes to school. Um, he really likes it. He enjoys it. He lives it. Um, so it's been fun to watch him grow, and now it's kind of in God's hands. Is he going to be 6'2", or is he going to be 6'7"? We don't know the answer to that. And so um, yeah. we're, we're enjoying the ride with him, though. It's been really fun. He loves it. Fantastic. How, are, uh, how is it different cheering at soccer matches than it is basketball games? I mean, I, you haven't really got into it because, again, you have, the season hasn't started yeah, yet. But I, I, how are basketball parents compared yeah. to soccer parents? Well, parents in general are nuts, and, and we're two of them, too. So I, I always go find a little corner that, to stand away from my wife, first of all, and then stand away from everybody else. Um, I've really enjoyed being a basketball parent, though. First of all, they're indoor, so you're not freezing cold all the time. Um, and nobody's asking me my opinion about the game, which is always great, too. Alex's games, I think I made the coaches nervous a little bit, um, like as if somehow I were judging what they were doing, and most of the time I'm just... I just want to watch my son play and enjoy that part of it. So to sit in the, in, in the crowd and just enjoy the game and watch your kid thrive with his friends and play, it's been, it's been awesome. You are currently the head coach of the Fort Wayne Football Club. That's got to be just a trip, right, to, to do that. Uh, you're still living in Valpo. You're commuting a ton, which means you have a ton of time to listen to the Victory Bubble podcast. We appreciate that. Um, before you got this job, though, you had another job. You were the head coach of the Valparaiso men's soccer team until the Valparaiso men's soccer team was no more. And, uh, you know, the, the, the gut punch of that was tough. I think I probably wanted to come to your house immediately and stick a microphone in your face and ask you about it all. Never really did. And, and then it was right before Thanksgiving, I think. And it just kind of like it, 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 it got wrapped up and we can, we can't talk about this. Can you talk about any of this? Like what, what was your emotion? What was any of the feelings of all of that stuff? Yeah, you know, you look back on it now, it, obviously it was a hard day. Um, it was a, you know me well enough to know I'm usually a guy that sees things coming and I didn't see that coming. Um, so, you know, I found out probably an hour before you did. Um, it was a surprise to me. Uh, do I like the decision? No, I don't like the decision. Um, do I think it was a good decision for the university at the time? I have no idea, to be honest with you. I was not part of the conversation beforehand. Uh, in the immediate time, right when it happened, Maybe the next six weeks, I'd probably never been busier in my life just trying to help the players figure out where they're going next. You get 20-some-odd players looking to transfer. Every one of them is talking to five or ten schools. I'm the guy that that school's calling to find out about. So it was just a constant wave of trying to help people, um, trying to help my assistants. I had about seven or eight recruits that were coming that were helping them get placed. Uh, so I never really got into the whys and what happened and why this sport and not that sport. And... You know, by the time I, I started to turn my attention to what am I going to do next, because, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night one night and think, oh, I, I guess i got to find a job, too. Yeah, you got um, all these other kids yeah. there landing spots. Now where's Mike Avery going to go? That's right. And, you know, it was interesting. I was actually driving home from the meeting where I was informed that the program was discontinued. Um, and my phone started ringing. And I was getting offers, like two Division One schools. I got the job offer in Fort Wayne actually on the day that they dropped the program. Um, other athletic director's job at another Division One school, assistant AD job. And, and all these things were happening. And, like, we just tabled everything. And it was focus on the guys first, focus on my family, because it was hard. It was hard for my family. You know, every time the phone rang and I would hang up, one of my kids would say, was that about a job? Because, you know, in their mind, we have to move, right? And so Karen and I, you know, we were very fortunate to be able to figure out a way, and it's not been easy, but to figure out a way where we could stay in Valpo. Look, I had a, a junior in high school. It was Alex's 16th birthday that day. Oh. So we had to try and celebrate the birthday party that night. you know. And I remember Karen and I very distinctly up in our bedroom talking about, we got to go down and open these presents right now. We're going to show our kids right now how we handle it when things go bad. 
And that was kind of our approach to it all the time, is that we're going to just dig in, we're going to show them this is what happens when things go bad, we're going to stick together, we're going to get through it. And we did. Look, we're not the first person to lose a job. I, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that, those things happen. I wasn't the, the only person around campus. We all, you and I have friends in common that also yeah. have to go. It was a hard time for everybody. And not just a hard time for us on my side of the table. Look, if you call Mark LaBarber and ask him, he's going to say that was probably the hardest day that he had in the job all those years at Valpo. It was hard for everybody. And so, you know, understanding that, you know, I don't, is it a good decision? I don't know. Yeah, I will tell yeah. you that it made money for the university because the second that it happened, I marched over to the bookstore and I bought a Valpo <laughs> soccer shirt. Yeah. And I wore the yeah. I wore holes into that shirt yeah, yeah, yeah. over the next couple of days. Yeah. I wanted people to know, uh, you know, again, I yeah. I don't wear it. It's tough, you know, and again, you know, I, I feel mostly obviously for the players and you know, they're you know, this is their school, the alums, you know, I I'm connected to so many guys and I'm happy to, you know, to kind of report now that many of the guys went on, had incredible college careers at the schools that they transferred to. It was a really good group. I'm proud of the work that we did here. Um, I think it's left a hole in a way that's probably hard to fill. Um, and not just in the athletic department, but just around campus. The guys were such an important piece yeah, of the campus. Yeah. Um, but again, is that a, is that me taking the shot at the school? No, I'm not. It's a hard, it was a hard time. You know, they got to make their own decisions. We're on the wrong end of a business decision unfortunately. And it's not personal. It felt personal maybe in moments, but it wasn't. And look, I give you a lot of credit because you're still there. Obviously, you're still cheering on Karen. You're still cheering on the volleyball team. And we're going to get into a little bit more detail of what you've given back to the university here uh, in a second, because that's why you're on the podcast. You're not you're not directly on the podcast to talk about things that happened a couple of years ago, although that was a tasty conversation and I'm glad we had it. Sure. Um, I do want to ask, though, uh, you know, Valpo... Uh, Valpo kind of turned into a bit of a soccer school this fall with the with the soccer to the, the women's soccer team, and I always I struggle now because like do I call them the Valpo women's soccer team or just the Valpo soccer team because we don't call it the Valpo women's volleyball team. So so the Valpo soccer team, women's soccer team, they go and they win the conference championship. Um, is it too soon to go and watch those matches? No, Did you get a no. chance? What was your what was your take? I, on I didn't that? get a chance to watch them play live this year. I'm I'm traveling quite a bit. You know, I, I spend most of my fall recruiting identifying players for my own team and so you know I, I've watched maybe 30 or 40 different college soccer games live all over the country this year and so I'm constantly in an airport or whatever I didn't get a chance to watch them play um, I did watch them a little bit online uh, enjoyed listening to coach Yeftich now, how about that Danny Yeftich yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm really happy for John I know how hard he works and, and obviously really happy for the girls I, I spent a little bit of time in and around their team uh, we talked about the one Valpo thing once in, in some different, I know that they're a great group and it's awesome, you know, and, 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 you know, exciting for everybody. You know, I think back to the transition from the mid-con to the Horizon League in 2012, men's soccer, my team was the first team to win a conference championship five years in, which is similar to, yeah. to, to women's soccer. It was five years in. We also got knocked out in that semifinal game that we hosted here on this campus. On penalty kicks, in right? In penalty kicks. Yeah. yeah. We dominated the game, seven rounds of penalty kicks. You know, it was a heartbreaker. And so I feel for them because I know that that's difficult. But when he looks back on it, they've taken a huge step. And we actually, in that in the Horizon League, we kind of cracked that door open. And then I think basketball and baseball broke through that same year. So maybe that's a good sign of things to come for everybody. Yeah, I, I, I remember very distinctly a week before your match, the women's team was in PKs, and I stood there with your guys watching. I forget some of that. Chad Salt, I think, yeah. and that group, uh, Kevin Brown, just fun guys. That, that 12 team was, was something special. And I just remember these guys all saying, like, oh, that you have to know where you're going with the ball before you even turn around and walk up yeah, to sure. the ball. Yeah. And and one of – I forget who which one it was, but it was like, you know um, – you know, God, I hope we don't have to go to PKs. And then yeah. you did, and then and then got with seven rounds or whatever. Yeah. Um, how uh, did you go to the championship match a couple of days later? Because because Loyola then played in the championship yeah. match here at Brown Field. Uh, did you go to that, or did you sit in a padded dark room? No, <laughs> no. I you know I, I've always been one that tries very quickly to get on to the next thing. And so I forced myself in to do it. And I, I probably had some responsibilities to help because we were, we were trying to be good hosts as well. Um, so, yeah, you got to go. And, and, you know, 
you end up being your competitors are these other coaches. They end up being your friends as well, and you know it's a it's a tight knit group. And so we wanted to make sure that they had a great experience, a championship experience, and and I'm sure that that's what John did as well. Yeah, yeah. So obviously you transitioned ultimately to a job, Fort Wayne Football Club. The inaugural season, you were out there for that. You get that job. COVID hits right away. Mm-hmm. Season's not going to happen for a while. You got to find players. Are you going to play? Or are you not going to play? You finally got a season going. I think you've had two now. Correct. So what, yeah. What's it? What's it been like? I mean, to, yeah, it's an amazing project. So, Demarcus Beasley's probably the most famous, or one of the most famous soccer players the United States has ever produced. He had an incredible career. He played in four World Cups. Um, the only player in the United States history to play in four World Cups. Uh, played in teamed Manchester City and Rangers in Scotland, some of the great big historic clubs around the world. Uh, when he retired after like a 22-year professional career, um, his dream was to build a professional soccer team in his hometown, which happens to be Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's a great story. I mean, a, a young black kid from the south side of Fort Wayne that where nobody plays soccer becomes a world-famous superstar. Um, and so... We linked up, and I've been helping them. I'm the sporting director, which is kind of the fancy term for general manager. Um, so I handle all of the sporting side for the club. Uh, we've led the, the country in attendance over the last two years. Fort Wayne's an incredible city for minor league sports. Their minor league baseball team's yeah. great. I so love- baseball, hockey, Mad Ants. Like the, it's a really well-embraced thing yeah. that you're going to go out and support your local teams. So our fan base has been incredible. Um, we've had really good success on the field over the last two years. And for me, it's fun. You know, I get to stay in coaching. It's just close enough where I can get home when I need to, or Karen can come in and watch a game and the kids can come watch a game. Um, so for the four or five months of the season, I stay there. And then for the rest of the year, I can work from here because I'm mostly traveling. I'm closer to the airport from here. A couple speed traps on Route 30, uh, heading toward you. You got them all memorized now? I I actually listened to, to your podcast and pushed, the uh, set the speed on my car cruise control and I don't I don't I, I take my time yeah yeah, yeah that I, I've back when I was in school the the midcon basketball tournament was in Fort Wayne every year and uh, depending if a friend of mine is listening to this he's gonna get very angry at this point because I had a radar detector in my car uh-huh. he didn't I was setting the speed and uh, he he passed me and he got a ticket and I didn't because so, yeah. I slowed down and I didn't tell him or anything so uh, a lot of speed traps okay um, in addition to that, actually, I want, you hinted at this earlier. You hinted at the one Valpo mm-hmm. thing. I would imagine a lot of people are listening to this podcast now. They're 15 minutes in. Um, they've been around long enough to know a little bit about one Valpo, but it has been some time. And I know that what Valpo talks about now is not exactly what you guys started, but can, can you very just quickly summarize what one Valpo pledge meant and, and how sure. that started yeah. and all of that? Yeah, I, I'll give you the uh, real quick if I can. Um, so in 2012, I think maybe, it was sometime around that time, um, we had uh, an incredible group of guys. I mean, if I stood in a locker room of 30 guys, I think there was 22 different birth countries in the team. Uh, guys from all over the planet. Um, not only different skin colors, not only different religions, different life experiences, socioeconomic statuses, like every amount of diversity in every single area that you could imagine would stand in that locker room together. And I always loved that first day because you'd sit there and you'd say, how in the world do you bring this group together? It's a beautiful game, yeah, right? It's right? a common language. Right. And so what the world tells us even still today is that that kind of diversity really doesn't work. And I would t- sit here and tell you that it was, not only did it work, it was by far our greatest strength. It was by far our greatest strength. And we, but we didn't do it. We weren't trying to start a social justice movement. We were just trying to win soccer games. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and so um, it kind of happened organically, but we had a, a really terrible racial incident on the field. Um, and so in response to that, it was really just me trying to coach my guys. It was me trying to show them I love you, I respect you, you're here, you're the heroes of our story. Um, and so we created this kind of hashtag one Valpo thing and it didn't start off with the promise document it just started out with pictures it was on instagram all of them came from my phone um, and i would just take pictures of the guys all the beautiful diversity together we'd put them around campus around the city always say somewhere in the picture of valparaiso it was just kind of like here we are this is us and then you know the amazing power of social media starts to happen where likes shares follows and all of a sudden we've got this thing every time we put up a picture we're getting 500 a thousand two thousand likes on this thing, people were just following our story. So then I, you know, a couple years into that, I say, well, I've got all these followers now 
how do we engage them further? And so like a good college student, I, you know, I Google diversity, diversity pledge, diversity promise, whatever. I ran across a really beautiful video at San Diego State University that was kind of similar to the language of the original One Valpo document. I called them. I said, I love this. Can I take, borrow? And they said, do whatever you want with it. I went on the university's website here and said, how are we defining diversity as a university? And we wrote out what we called the One Valpo Promise. And I would say it was kind of a grown-up golden rule. It's just like, I promise to show respect for dot, 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 yeah. all the different areas of bias. And we'd ask people to sign it. And then you know, you, you'll remember, I would go around and talk to any single group that would listen. I would share the story with And them. not just sports teams. Yeah, mean, no, no, we, we made it intentional not to make it about soccer, not to make it about race, even though that it came from those two areas. Um, and then people, you know, fraternities, sororities, other teams, classes, you know, I, I would go to anybody that would listen. And then it grows into the schools and the community and businesses, organizations. And then other schools started to call and say, we like this. How do we do this? I said, take it. Change the hashtag, change the pictures, make it your own. And so this thing kind of organically grew out of it. And so it, it was a really cool thing to start. You know, it's interesting when uh, you talked earlier the, the term business decision, because that's what it was when the team got cut. I remember saying that day, somebody somewhere decided they didn't want to be in business with Mike Avery anymore. And I thought that was unconscionable, right? <laughs> because of not only who you are, the, the, the teams you had, the, I mean, the, the good soccer coach you were, but the good person and this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I thought this stuff was bigger and more important than sports, and, and I always thought it was great. And, um, you know, I, I think in the four years or three years or however long it's been since you've, you, your team went away, you know, these are still conversations that happen a lot, and, um, and I still think it's important, and I hope that the university and the teams and everybody continues to embrace this. I want to shift over. Um, because, you know, you didn't stay down for long. You, you picked yourself up. Obviously, you, you did the Fort Wayne thing, but you also realized you wanted to continue spreading the message of, a, of team and, and, and some of this other stuff, and you started something called Center Circle Influencers. Uh, how, what, what, what was that? How did yeah. you start this? Why did you start this, and what do you do with it? Yeah, so, so basically, in the last few years of my time at Valpo, mostly through the One Valpo Promise, I became kind of a popular gig, to speak. Yeah. So I would go around and speak. And I always did it under the umbrella of my job here. So I wasn't charging for it. I wasn't doing anything for it. So in the, initially, when the program first got dropped, and I was trying to figure out how can I work and stay in Valpo, um, I started booking out speaking gigs. It would talk about diversity. I would talk about teams. I would just talk about areas related to that whole topic of inclusion, of community, how do we build community through lessons maybe we've learned in teams that we've been on, that kind of stuff. And it was really successful. I think in the first six months, I probably had 50 or 60 gigs either done or planned. And then COVID hit, right? So COVID comes. And, uh, and so now we're all locked in our house in quarantine, right? All those things are, are either canceled or shifted to Zoom. Um, and then in the summer of 2020, George Floyd gets killed. Yeah. So it, I'm sitting at home like everybody else. I'm watching the world go crazy on TV, protests all over the place, and little riots popping up. Uh, and then there's one day, and I have to look it up. I'm, I always forget to do this, but there's, the, uh, there's a young woman who uh, was a NCAA Power 5 college athlete, plays in the WNBA. She's beautiful. She's got a billion followers on Instagram, and she says to the world, NCAA, college athletic directors, college coaches, where are you in all this stuff? In the aftermath of George Floyd. You want our black bodies. You don't want our black issues. I've not heard anything from you guys. So she calls them all out. And within 24 hours, every school in America starts putting out a statement. Here's our stance on yeah. this, right? Yeah. Valpo did, did one as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the, here's our stance on this. Right? So along the same time, coaches, because schools are online during that period, coaches are trying to keep their teams connected even though they're not together. And so Zoom calls, Zoom meetings are happening all over the place. Now they're getting pressure from their administrations to say, you need to talk about this with your teams. So my phone starts ringing from mostly college soccer coaches who are friends of mine. And they said, Mike, I have to talk to my team about this. I don't know what to say. You had this thing at Valpo. I remember seeing something about one Valpo. Would you mind coming into my team meeting and talking about it? So we created, I created this kind of, Hope Through a Promise story, the One Valpo origin story, 
And in that summer of 2020, I probably did 200 conversations. Soccer teams, women's soccer teams, athletic departments, college football teams, college basketball teams, all over the country. Um, it was a really powerful thing. I, and I was really just doing it for free. I was trying to help. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Yeah, um, I'm trying to help. I'm also trying to show my children again at home, like, this is what we do when things get tough. We help, right? Yeah. Um, and then after a while, your time is valuable, the information's valuable, and then you start. I'm still terrible at it. They'll say, how much do you charge? I don't know how much you got. You know what I mean? I'm not good yeah. at that part of it. Um, so I started to, to continue to work in that team space. Um, and so I'll work with, you know, Division One basketball teams, Power Five teams, schools, sweatshirt schools that you've heard of, um, either in a one-off or in some cases we'll establish a longer relationship and really just try and get into – I necessarily wouldn't call it team building, but like, you know, this whole area of culture creation, of maintenance or enhancement of a culture that's already in existence in a team. Look, I, I'm, I'm someone that will tell you without any hesitation that my life wasn't only shaped by sport, it was very much saved by sport. Everything yeah. I know about being a husband and a father and a friend and a loyal employee and all the things that I think I value, I learned those things in my teams. I didn't learn them from my own family. I had an unorganized, disorganized <laughs> yeah. childhood, right? And so the opportunity for me to go into teams and help them create their own space where people feel like they are seen and heard and valued because the lessons that you learn in there, they last so much longer than whatever. See, this is something that I know you've always, when you were the soccer coach here, soccer and volleyball would always get together yeah. beginning of the year. I always thought this was the coolest thing. You guys would have the dance off. For sure. You would have, you would do different things where you basically say, look, we're part of the same community. We're part of the same, obviously you guys were married. So like, let's, let's have a barbecue and bring them all together or whatever. Um, so it probably felt natural to continue your relationship with the volleyball team. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know they were one of the first teams you talk about you know, teams that you talk to, um, you know, we'll get into the other one that you work with in a second, but, but, uh, what have those conversations been like with the Valpo volleyball team, a team that started off the year 12 and 0, they had, you know, through, I think 15, 16 games, the most wins in the country. I mean, what, what, what's that been like? Yeah, it's, they're, they're, they're awesome. First of all, they're, they're among my favorite people on the planet, not just their coach, right? But, yeah. but the whole team, I love those girls and, and Nick, and I just think they, they're so much fun to watch. Um, but they're also a great team, and you can sense, you watch them play. One of the things about volleyball is that when you go and watch them play, you see a team that loves each other. Yeah. You, you feel it, you know? Um, you see a team that doesn't just play with each other, they play for each other. You see a team that doesn't just play for the jersey, you know what I mean? They play for the school that they represent. Not just in front of a crowd, they play for the crowd. And it's palpable. It's like this scent. You feel hopeful when you watch them play. You know, them being good helps. I'm not saying discounting that at all, but that's not really why you go. You go because you come away from it thinking, I feel better about myself because they've inspired me a little bit. And I, I'm hoping later on this week to have a story where I look at some of the parents that are in the stands because yeah. that's a fun group. But that whole culture that's created around that program, certainly Karen gets the credit for that because that's her team, but it's also because they work at it. You know, it doesn't just happen. Yeah. I think sometimes we think if we just bring people together, they're just going to do their thing and we're going to be good. It, you got to work at it. And so what I try and do with them is I try to give them tools. I want to try and give them tools so they can better understand themselves, so they can better understand each other, so they can start to appreciate the differences in each other. We develop a tolerance, maybe an acceptance, maybe even a, a celebration of the differences that we have. They're an interesting team this year, particularly this year, because they had all these studs, these seniors last yeah. year. They go on this big run to the NIVC championship. You've got Brittany, you've got Peyton, you've got Riley. Um, I, I know I'm probably yeah, Haley was there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and now they're all gone. And so all of a sudden, you, you hear this phrase a lot in sports, like, "Oh, you, you know, you, you woke up on third base and you thought you hit the triple to get there when it was really somebody else." And so here's a team that had all this hype around it. But yet, here are a bunch of players that, like, you, you don't really know how it's going to work, right? Like, how's Addy going to slide in as a setter, right? Who are some of these hitters that are coming back from injury that didn't get a chance, Jillies and Gretchens of the world, right? Like, what was that like to, to, to look at the identity of the team knowing that the pieces were going to be a little bit different this year? Yeah, I mean, they, they, the, the season they've had to, to, to date has been incredible, right? I mean, you're right. They've lost so many 
really critical players, and now they're either relying on someone who's brand new or someone who's playing a new role, mm-hmm. their first opportunity to play. Um, but it goes back again to this, they, they exist in this, this world where they trust each other, where they believe in each other, um, where they've, they've learned how to communicate with each other, how to talk to each other. You look, sports is pressure. Right, and it's not you know it's not life and death pressure. I know that, but it, there is pressure that's involved in this. And so, if we can help them alleviate some of the pressure, and just understand how we can focus on the things that really matter in this thing, it's I always call it kind of the paradox of winning. You know, because look, I I, I work in a job where if I don't win enough games, I have to find another job. I yeah. get pressure in winning more than anybody else does, right? Especially now in this pro level, like I will get fired if I don't win enough games. There's no question about it. Um, there's pressure in this. So how can we remove some of that pressure by giving them some perspective, giving them some tools on how to handle it so they can just enjoy it better and take the lessons out of this whole experience? It's a, you know, being in a team is a really sacred thing because so much potentially can come out of it if you're intentional about how you handle it. Um, I want to shift now. Yeah, sorry, my father keeps blowing. He's called me three times. He's uh, There's a bookseller in Northwest Indiana. He's going to buy a bunch of Civil War books from me. He wants me to go take pictures. But he's called me three times while we've been doing this. No so, problem. Uh, I don't stop for my own parents on the Victory Bell podcast. <laughs> so, okay, uh, you've been working with men's basketball. Yeah. Uh, you've been doing a lot of stuff. Um, I want to uh, I want to, I want to read a quote back to you that you put up on, on Facebook the other day. Um, and I really think this is, uh, it, it, it really applies uh, so the, the quote here, outside the circle is just noise. Inside is where the magic happens. Can we ignore the noise outside and keep attention inside? I'm a big part of that noise. I'm a sure. reporter who's, yeah. who has to infiltrate the the trench and pull out the magic a little bit. And Valpo goes, they play Toledo. It's awful. It was a bad game. It didn't go their way. First eight minutes of the game were atrocious. It was a really, really rough start. Uh and I know that, and really from the 12-minute mark on, um, Valpo was right with him. Now maybe Toledo took their foot off the gas. I don't know. Natural competitive instinct kicks in. Um, Valpo shot 70% in the second half. It, it, didn't, it didn't look all bad, except for that first eight minutes was the first impression. So I got to go after, and I got to talk to these players, and I got to ask them, okay, what was this like? And, and Ben Crickey gives a quote to me where he says, you know, we weren't ready. We weren't, we weren't ready. We weren't, we, we weren't emotionally, physically, mentally ready uh, we thought it was going to be easy. And, and look, in the moment, here's a kid. You know, he's 22. He's an adult, right? But I know he's searching for answers. He hates the way the game just went. Last thing he wants to do is talk to me. And he gives this quote, and I, I was like, ooh, that's juicy. I'm going to use that. That's good. And I did, and he's getting murdered for it now. All mm. his fans are like, what do you mean? You, you thought it was going to be easy. What do you mean? You, you know, you weren't ready. That's on the coach. That's on the player. You guys are terrible, blah, blah, blah. You were 13-and-a-half-point underdogs. You should have known. Um, and, and I'm sure, you know, if they pay any attention to that stuff, it's just going to bother them even more, right? Mm. But it is all noise. Mm. So from your perspective, as someone who's kind of talking to these guys about team building and stuff, where does that noise aspect come in, right? Yeah, it, it's a challenge, right? You have to focus on the things that matter um, and ignore the things that don't matter. Now, the victory bell matters to me yeah. and a lot and, of people. And, 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 yeah. but and, it, and it matters to them. It matters because, listen, you know, part of, look, I'm building a professional club, right? We have an obligation to play well. We have an obligation to play attractively. We have an obligation to get people in the stands. Everybody's got a role to play. And the fans are critically important. I understand that part of it as well. Um, but as the athlete, I also know, look, I was a, a long-time athlete myself. I played professionally for a long I understand this. I also understand the pressures that they feel on the coach. Look, there's not many jobs that you get into where the day you get hired, there's a website that's, that says, you know, firemikeavery.com, get started somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're under immense amounts of scrutiny, right? Yeah. And people think they know what's going on, but the reality is they don't know what's going on. And nor should they know what's going on. That's for what happens in the team. So the team's job is to own exactly what just happened, process it as quickly as they can. Look, I, I, we just talked about this. I met with him on Wednesday after the game. On okay. Monday, right? And, and the first slide said, we lost. Now what? So now we're talking about how do we deal with what we just went through, right? We're going to feel the feelings that we feel. 
We're all going to feel differently about the game, but we're all going to feel different. But now we've got to quickly apply some perspective to it. We've got to then get back to work so that we can prepare for the next game, right? It's a process. It's like you plan, you build, you work, you do, assess, own it, plan, build, work, do, assess, own it, and repeat, right? That's the process that we're in. So, you know, how many opinions do they need? They know what happened, yeah. right? I don't even know what happened. Like, you know, I work with them once a week. I'm not in the locker room on a day-to-day. I don't know what strategy went wrong. Listen, winning games is hard, right? Winning on the road is really, you know, it's something like 80% of home teams win games across sports, Yeah. right? Yeah. Winning is hard, right? And so we have to put that aside right now. We have to focus on the performance. We have to focus on extract all of the lessons that we just got out of that, that experience on Monday night. And use them because ultimately, what's the goal? The goal is to be the best version of ourselves that we can be at the end of the season. Yeah. Right? Nobody, nobody, nobody won a championship on Monday night. Nobody lost a championship on Monday night. What they got now is information. That's why I told them the game's behind you now. All it is now is information. Take the information, apply it for the next thing. And teams grow it, you know, how long does it take a team to come together? Well, it takes what it takes, and every team is different. I thought Landon Fox actually had a great thing. He said this at the end of the uh, the football loss to St. Thomas on Saturday they played PFL leading St. Thomas. That's the team that they want to get. They want to be that team. And he said at the end of it, at the end of this press conference, and look, nobody likes to sit in those press conferences when a team loses. The coach doesn't want to be there, the reporter doesn't want to be there. Nobody wants to be there. And so I asked him about, you know, do, what did you learn from playing the team that has the record that you want? And he said, look, we could shortcut the process. If we would have won all these one-possession games, we'd be 7-1, and 8-1, and one, and, and people would be talking about how, you know, we were just good. And then he said, but it doesn't work that way. You have to go through the process. You can't skip the process. There's no way that you can do it. I mean, look, this, this soccer team, these seniors, they were 2-15-1 when they were freshmen. And even this year, they lost five in a row or had five. They didn't get a result, five matches in a row, right? Yeah. And and then guess what? Then they won a bunch of games. So it, it, it takes what it takes. And the reality is, and it's never a straight line. There's twists and turns and ups and downs. And by the way, every single team goes through it, right? And so how you manage all of these things that are going right now, again, that's the conversations that we have in there. We go through it. For me, it's a bigger picture. We call it, I call it the B team process that we're going through and it's not a b it's b e the b team okay and so for me the whole thing in sport is about this b team concept where it's about being so we bring all that we are all your stories all your past all your history all your potential all your fears all your you bring everything into the room that's the first step and then it becomes about creating a community of belonging where people feel like they belong not fitting in different belonging so we're talking about trust, authenticity, vulnerability, scary terms for guys to sit around and talk about. Yeah. Right? But that's what it's about. And again, the toughest, baddest men on the planet play in the NFL. We could probably agree on that. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Why are they bringing Brene Brown in to talk about vulnerability to the Seattle Seahawks? You yeah. know what I mean? That's because it's important stuff. These are not soft skills. These are real things, right? And so we create this space where they feel like they belong. So being, so belonging, and then once we feel like belonging, then we can become. And so that's what this whole project is about. It's about can we create a space where they start to feel like they belong? Can we give them tools to communicate better, understand themselves, create conversations about real things? And the value probably that I add to it is I live the same life that they lived. You know, I was four years old when my parents put me in my first team. I fell in love with the game. I've been on a team every single day of my life for 50 years. You know, so that's that's a lot of teams. Yeah. A lot yeah. of good ones, some bad ones. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and so, you know, I'm not an expert in anything, but I do know a lot about teams. And so just try to, in a practical way, talk to them in their own language about these concepts. And, and it helps me as a coach. It helps me with my own teams. Um, but it's, you know, for an hour, Matt and his staff can sit back they don't have to lead this thing. I can come in. They can just be part of the group and go through these conversations together. Because, again, ultimately, at the end of the day, look, I was a month ago in Santa Barbara where I went to college. 
So it was 30 some odd years ago I graduated from college. Um, my teammates were there for a reunion thing around a soccer event that happened on the mm-hmm. campus there. Do you know how many times we talked about soccer? That Probably weekend? very little. Not one time. Yeah. We talk about families. We talk about, you know, work. We talk about, you know, maybe funny stories about what happened in the van on the way to, the, you know what I mean? But we didn't talk about games. We didn't mm-hmm. talk about who started. We didn't talk about playing time. We talked about relationship things. That is the most important thing that we're doing here is we're building lifelong relationships. When Karen and I sit in that night on Alex's birthday and, and say, this sucks, but we're going to get up and go downstairs and we're going to open presents, damn it, and we're going to enjoy this day. We're going to get on. Where did we learn that stuff? We learned that stuff in our teams. Yeah. You know, These are lessons that we've learned in those teams. So we have to keep the most important things as the most important things. And if we do that, and that's what Karen's really good about with her team, is they keep the most important things as the most important things. The irony of it is you win more when you do it that way, too. I want to ask about, it's obviously like you're sitting at home with Karen at the dinner table, and she says, hey, come talk to my team. That's a pretty easy connection sure. or whatever. How does Matt reach out to you on this? Like, How did you get set up with that team? Yeah, I, I, I I don't remember if I asked him or he asked me first. You know what I mean? I don't know who asked who out first, right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But um, obviously people know that I work with Karen's team. And I've worked with other teams at other universities around the way. And so the conversation just started, like, you know, what do you do with a team? And we kind of just started there. And we decided, let's give it a try and see how it goes. And so I think I've met with them maybe seven or eight times now since August. Um I really enjoy them. I think they're a bright group of guys. They're bought in in, in ways that you probably don't always notice, you know, because guys are guys and they don't show a lot, right? Yeah. Um, they want to be good, but more importantly, I think they really like each other and not just like each other. That's, it sounds almost like a kumbaya experience. It's not what we're talking about, but they're in it for each other. And so if you can create that kind of environment where people can be honest and open and, again, owning the experiences that they're going through without blaming and shaming, just owning it. Put your hand like, yep, we got to do better and just work at it together. It just forms these bonds that, you know, they're going to be best men in each other's wedding. They're going to, you know what I mean? And honestly, that's really what this whole thing is about, isn't it? I mean, it's creating these lifelong relationships, learning lessons that apply well beyond their playing days or whatever. You know, I want to ask this. Um, You... I, uh, let's let's put full stop on volleyball basketball. Yep. I don't want I don't want anyone to think that this next question is related to either one of those two teams. Um, but we, we talked about this a little bit off air before we started. Um, every once in a while, generally at the beginning of the year, when I'm doing season preview stories, whether it be Valpo teams, high school teams, anything like that, every once in a while I'll get a coach or an athlete, and most of the time it's athletes, the seniors that year, who will say that our team culture is so much better this year than it was last year. And I think to myself, well, the year before, someone told me their team culture was so much better that year than it was the year before. And like, and it just seems like almost a buzzword thing that, that, that athletes are supposed to say or coaches are supposed to say, oh, they really, you know, they play together more, blah, 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 blah. As a coach, maybe it was Valpo, maybe it was somewhere else or whatever. Like, how, how does it feel when you're, do you know when you have a bad culture on your team? How do you know? How does it feel? How important is that? And, and, and vice versa, how do you know when it's good and, and all of that? Yeah, uh, I, I do think that it's become kind of a catchword or a buzzword in sport, right? Um, when, when I talk to, if I'm talking maybe to a coach about their program, um, some other school, doesn't matter where, and, and they'll say something to me about their culture, um, I always kind of start to push back and ask some questions back to them about what it is that they, they see. How do you define your culture? What is it? Mm-hmm. Right, because what are you talking about? Is it? And, and sometimes they have a hard time coming up with the answer of that. Again, if you if you went to, you know, we're not talking about volleyball. If you went and said to Karen, "What's the team culture?" She'll tell you exactly what it is. They know who they are. If you ask every single one of their players, they know who they are, right? Because they spend time at it for years now, developing it, nurturing it, honoring it, and working at it. Right? It doesn't just happen. And it's not just going to shoot paint, paint guns together, at, paintball guns together. You know what I mean? Those are important times, too, because putting time together away from the sport is important. You know, the football team's doing this a ton. Every road trip they do, they've done something. They went to yeah. uh, a horse farm where Todd Eichel got very excited about seeing Funny Side, one of the uh, derby winners from a yeah. long time ago. And but those things are important, but they don't define your team's culture. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're, yeah. It, but they're, they can be a valuable part of it. I'm not discounting that. But it, but you can't, again, just expect people to, to get thrown. Look, you know, I, I've been married to Karen for a long time now, 20-some-odd years, you know what I mean? And 26, 27 We can years. edit this together yeah. to make yeah. sure you don't get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. 98 was when we got, it was a World Cup year, so I know what year we started. Okay. So <laughs> you can do the math. 24 years we've been married now. Um, and, and, and so it's a relationship that seems to work, right? Yeah. It doesn't just happen, though. We have to work at it. You know what I mean? And so we're engaged in sport in these relationships with each other. We have to work at it. So, so have I been in teams with bad culture? Yes. Do I know when it's happening? I do because I'm, I'm tuned to it. I'm and you've been on a lot of teams. And I've been yeah. on a lot of teams. Again, my whole life has been in teams. Um, it's not always easy to fix, you know what I mean? But you can sense it when you get a couple of bad apples into the, the room and they start taking the team in a different direction. You know, you know when you've got to pull back and, and you know what I mean? But it's got to be an evolving thing that you're constantly paying attention to and intentionally working on. Um, and that's, you know, part of why... Whether I do good work with men's basketball or not, the fact that they're taking time to do it is it communicating to their players that it's important. Yeah, and, and I want to shift back to men's basketball for a second. You've met with them seven or eight times. The first six or seven of them were they didn't have results attached to their name. Now they do. Mm-hmm. I, I talked to Landon Fox earlier this year, right before the first game of the year, and I said, How, what, do you lo- what, what do you love about coaching games? And he actually said, I hate it because I like when I can just be a coach and I don't have a scoreboard at the end of it. Sure. I can just think I'm doing a good job. So I guess sometimes when I give exams and I think to myself, well, you know, now you have a score. I can find out. Did I do a good job as a coach or a teacher? And, you know, like, um, do you think would they were uh, more attentive, less attentive, or equally as attentive as they have been following this loss? No, I think that, the, again, you know, I think you're probably assuming they're making a bigger deal out of one night than, than they, they well because everybody are. else is making a huge deal out of and it, it right? and, I, and I'm not saying they're ignoring it yeah again yeah. they're owning it I'm very clear on that I, you know I, I, I could sense that right away right but um, you know should they just pack it up and go home and not play anymore you know what I mean like you know what are we gonna do right you There's said 30, it yourself 31 more games you said it yourself women's soccer celebrated a championship not too long ago they started off their first five games not looking like that was going to come, right? Yeah. Should they have just given up at that point? Look, teams evolve, teams grow, teams develop. It, it takes time, and it takes experiences. And look, we can all assume what we want to assume about it, but do we really know? Do we know who's sick, who's hurt, who's, you know, girlfriend just dumped them, who's had an exam that's, you know, in the back of their mind? Do we know all of those? No, we don't know things we just want to assume it from the outside and it's fun and it's part of fandom and it's awesome and I'm a fan of teams too you know what I mean yeah but do we know what's going on no we don't know what's going yeah. on yeah you know and, and so so again, coaches don't always know what's going 100% on 100% you don't and again that's also part of, of developing relationships that go beyond just the normal player coach and just getting to know each other and, and you see I would tell teams this all the time like if I sit in a locker room across from you and we're together for four or five months, and I don't know everything about you. I've missed out on an incredible opportunity. And then expand that. What if we're together for a year, two years, three, four, nowadays, five years, right? And I don't know everything that there is to know about you. What's wrong with me? You know what I mean? And so, but again, those kinds of natural pathways don't just happen. Guys don't sit around and talk about things <laughs> that easily. And again, people are nervous. They're trying to fit in. They're trying to assimilate. And we're trying to say, look, no, be everything that you are. Bring it all. And let us embrace that part of it and share it with you, right? Without judgment, but with awe and amazement and wonder. And it's an incredible thing when teams come together. And then for me, in a larger picture, I'm thinking, does this scale? So do I take what I do in my team? And, and then add it to your journalism students. And now do can it work together? Can I take what we do with that and maybe can it become the model for a campus, for a community, for bigger? Does it scale? And so I'm digging into these concepts about teams because I, I, I'm wondering because I really believe that it does. This will be a good time in the podcast here to say, Mike, if anyone listening would like to have you come and talk to them, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, um, you, you can go on Center Circle Influencers and find me there. Just Google it. You'll find me. 
Um, you can reach out via any of the social media. Coach Mike Avery on all the different social media handles. Um, you can call Karen and she'll get you in touch. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to, to talk to anybody because, again, these are, these are concepts and things that are really important to me because, again, my whole life has been around, around this area. Um, and I love it. I love seeing these teams come together. And, of course, you want them to win, right? But I always say this, like, you know, at the end of the day, I can't make winning the most important thing as a coach because I don't always control that. There is another team, by the way, that's trying to win. Yeah. There's yeah. a referee, there's weather, there's all of these factors, right? So I have to sit here and say, look, I know it's a critical element of my job and me retaining my body. I can't make it the most important thing. So I, for me, I have to say, look, when is not that important to me. What is important, though, is trying to win, doing every single thing I can to prepare them to win, right? That's critically important. That's life lesson that we're yeah. doing all that we can to prepare. But the actual results at the end of the day, I don't know that I control that completely. I influence it for sure, but I don't think I control it. Yeah. So again, focusing on things that I, that I, that I have no control over is, is a waste of time. Uh, maybe a wholly inappropriate question here, but is there a, a particular volleyball player or men's basketball player who is who you've really just enjoyed getting to know of like people who are asking thoughtful questions in these things or maybe, maybe that's, maybe that stays in the room, but uh. yeah, no, yeah. I mean, they're all interesting in their own way. You know, it's interesting to me, volleyball, they're different because they are very social and they're, I'm around them all the time, whether it's yeah. working with them or just being around them. So yeah, you're like so an I, uncle to them. Yeah, I'd imagine, so, I, you know? I, I, so I see them and they're always together and they're always waving and hugging at each other and they're always together and, Basketball, I, I'm getting to know newly, right? You know, I've, I've met them all. And every day after a meeting, somebody in the room stays, hangs out a little bit, and we talk a little bit and get to know them. And they've got really cool stories and really interesting backgrounds. Um, they come from all kinds of different places. Um, and so I've really enjoyed getting to know them. I think they're, they're a good group of guys, and I think they've got a lot to offer um, are they a good basketball team? That's not my area of expertise. I don't know. I trust that Matt and Luke and Matt and everybody are, are doing a great job at, at building that out. Um, but are they really committed to this thing? Are they happy that they're here? You know, it's interesting. So we, we start every meeting, what I call it, the hot seat. The ha-ha-ha-hot seat, because there's five H questions. So one of them gets up in front of their teammates, and I take them through five H questions. Who's a hero in your life? What's a hardship that you've been through? What's a highlight, right? What's a headache, something that's a nag in the back of your mind right now? And I always end it like, what's a hope, something you're excited about? The number of guys in that team that say, I'm just thankful to be here. I just, I'm just so excited about being here, right? This is a place that's facility is not something to brag about. These guys played in the Big Ten. They've got transfer, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, everybody's always thinking that they should be in the bigger, brighter lights and they're thankful to be here. Here. You know what I mean? That's a really special thing that, that is unique, I think. And, and so uh, I'll tell you, I'm pulling for them for sure. Um, do what, will it be easy? No. If it was easy, someone would have done it already. Yeah, <laughs> you true, know what I mean? Like, true. And, it, and it wouldn't have been any fun if it's easy. And you don't learn anything about yourself if it's easy. And so, you know, I, I think the journey that they're on is going to be interesting and full of twists and turns and bumps like everybody's going to go through. Um, but I'll stand with them, that's for sure, because I do like them an awful lot. Huge weekend at the Arc coming up. We've got uh, volleyball on Friday and Saturday, senior night on Saturday, which is good, although they've got one more home match after that. Women's basketball at noon on Saturday against Southern Miss. Uh, Brett Favre hopefully coming with some of that money that he owes everybody. And then uh, men's basketball against Western Michigan, 4 o'clock, uh, avoiding the Bears game, but smack dab in the middle of the Green Bay Packers Uh probably lost number six in a row that they're going to have. Uh, I'd like you to go to Lambeau and talk to that team and give them some uh, hope and encouragement. Uh, and I think they just need a lot of love. Jordan love is, I think, what they need. Um, look, i got to ask you this since you're here. Uh, World Cup roster just came out. Yeah. A couple surprises. Mm. Um, I'd be a fool trying to act like I knew all – I mean, I know, like, Christian, and I know a couple of the other guys, Yedlin, and I know I knew a handful of them, but I don't know many of them. Uh, what did you think? What do you, you know? Is there uh, is there a path to get into the uh, the tournament play at all? Yes, I think there is. It's a really talented group, yeah. very young, 
I think we're the youngest team in the in the in the World Cup. There's China. like a 36 year old on the team, and I think everybody else yeah. is like yeah. certainly you know, like 30 or, or younger than 25. That's right. Like. Yeah, Tim Ream made his way in. It was a kind of a surprise, but he's been playing great. Um, it, but uh, it's a young group, very talented. Are they experienced enough yet to get to the next round? I don't know. I hope that they do because I do think that this core group in 2026, when we host the World Cup, could be really primed to do something special. Um, but it's such an interesting tournament. The the timing, the the you know usually the hundred degree weather, yeah, the weather, all of the different things that are going into it. Um, it. It's an odd tournament, so I wouldn't be surprised if odd things happen in the tournament. You know the the number of players already that have had to pull out because of injury. You know, their club season, typically they're about six or seven weeks of a break before they go to a tournament like this. Um, they're playing this weekend, have seven days off, and then start playing. And so it's an incredible thing. It, it's not I have not watched it yet, but I heard on Netflix there's a new documentary expose out on FIFA awarding different oh, events. And, I'm sure and, that and, that's, uh, yeah. You know, I've spent a, a little time in and around some of those those high-level guys and it, it does feel like you've just walked into a mafia movie. And, and so the money grab part of it is disappointing. The human rights part of it's very disappointing, disturbing when you hear about how they built the stadiums and all that yeah. stuff, the, the impact of all of those things. But for me now as a soccer guy, my favorite players in the world are on stage playing. I'm going to be watching. There's no question I'm going to be watching. So maybe unfair question. I didn't even bring this up to you when we were prepping out what we were going to talk about. Uh, look, if you took the best NFL team, and I don't think they play football anywhere else in that world, right? Not to the level that they do here, right? Mm-hmm. So America's going to win that. Basketball, You're the dream team. talking about American team. football. I'm talking about American okay. football, not yeah. football. Yeah, yeah. American football. Yes. Not football yes, is yeah, life, yeah, yeah. Danny Rojas. I'm, yeah. talking about, yeah. I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers football. Yeah. Um, they're going to win. We're, and that's the most popular sport in this country right now, right? I mean, it's day in, day out. Uh, it could be a Thursday night football awful game, and I'm watching. Everyone's watching. Right, maybe not you, but everybody, everybody's watched. So baseball, you know, for the most part, it's you know they they, they compete. You know, the World Baseball Classic, America doesn't always win or don't always win at the Olympics, and I feel like that sport has lost its luster a little bit. Basketball, we love; it's the world's game, except for the U.S. generally wins all the time, dream team, and all of that. Um, does the everyday American have the appetite for a sport that this country cannot dominate in? You know, like there's a good there's a good book that's just coming out by um, uh, George Dorman, uh, who wrote a book called "Play Their Hearts Out," which is an amazing book about AAU basketball. He's basically written a book about how to. I haven't read it, but it's just coming out like next week about how to develop soccer in the American stage. And I think part of it is like, do we care enough about a sport that we can't be like, haha, we're better than everybody else? Yeah. Well, the, when you say we can't be. Or we haven't been yet. Okay. It's a di- you know what I'm saying? Like, there is a difference. You know, there are countries where it's so ingrained in the culture um, for hundreds of years. You know, we're, we're relatively new to the, to the sport. Um, and, and, you know, when people say, well, it's not really caught on, really? Have you been to... I mean, it's everywhere. Have it's... you been to Seattle and 60,000 people watch you know, the hardest ticket to get in Seattle? I saw a Sounders-Timbers game. game. It was amazing. Did, did you see the crowds in L.A.? Have you seen the stadiums that are going up? I mean, it, it, it's a viable, legitimate, not going anywhere. Milwaukee just got a team. Professional league, right? Yeah. And so, what is the impact of that over the next several generations of players? We are already putting out some of the best play, young players in the world. Some of the most coveted players in the upcoming World Cup tournament that are below the age of 22 are on our team, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so I, you know, again, has it happened at, at the lightning speed that you would like to think that it would? No, it hasn't. But nothing is, you know, every, everything is changing from how they broadcast games and television rights, and now everything's streamed. And uh, it's an interesting time in all of sport. Um, but you know, the fact that that you know you don't like it, <laughs> or or maybe you like it, but you don't you don't follow it the yeah. way you follow your Packers. Um, you know, I would say watch out. No, I mean, yeah, I've, yeah, look, I've yeah, I've watched. Uh, I think they played Mexico. That it was the first match, just like two years ago now, a year and a half ago, when it was like, who are all these guys? They're all super young. Like this was a like they blew up the whole team, and I remember Aaron Levitt and I were like, huh, all right, well this is a group we can roll with because I think they won that match. Yeah. I, I don't remember it was a friendly. It's a couple of years ago now, but um, 
Yeah, and then obviously AFC Richmond, big Ted Lasso guy over here. Yeah. So does that is that show? Have you watched it? Of course. Yeah. Does, yeah. does that show do a service or a disservice to the game of soccer? Like uh, bringing in the people like me, the casual fans. Of no, it. I think I think it's incredible. You know, I think the what it does do. I think what I think they've done an incredible job with in that show. First of all, it's brilliant. It's written brilliantly. It's funny. It's sharp. You know, it's not even about soccer, really, right? You know, the dart um, scene, the be, be yeah, curious, um, not judgmental, is great. His, his ability to kind of open up conversation around areas of mental health and dealing with loss and dealing with struggle, um, it, it's really impactful. You know, and so I, I, I'm a huge fan of that show. People um, are like, "Oh, the second season wasn't as funny." I'm like, "The second season was amazing, yeah. right? Like the stuff it talked about." No, I can't but, wait for the. For, I'm always checking to see when is the third season coming yeah. out. Um, but it is also interesting that, you know, the perception of this American football coach that takes a, a soccer team, you know, an English football team, um, it's hard for them to overcome. Jesse Marsh coaches Leeds United. He's an American that coaches in the English Premier League. And they call him Ted Lasso all the time, you know what I mean? As if it's somehow a, a, a slap, you know. <laughs> um, but, but as I said before, you know, I, I think actually Ted Lasso is ahead of his time in many ways because in the real world of high-level sport, those kinds of conversations are already happening. I mean, you don't think that every Power 5 school here doesn't have a sports psychologist, a mental health specialist, a, a counselor, a, you know, a perform- mental performance coach, mindset coach. Of course they do. Like, when I played, and it wasn't even that long ago, if you would have told the guys to go, we're going to go do yoga in that room over there, everybody would have laughed and walked out the other way. Yeah. Now everybody does. You know what I mean? So, so what we used to think are softer skills are actually part and parcel of what we do now. Very good. Well, Mike Avery, thank you so much. Center Circle Influencers. Everyone go check it out. Uh, Google it. You'll find some good information. And uh, when? so when's the season? You know, you've got a ways to go, right? Yeah, so we're in the building phase for the roster right now. We'll, we'll gather in April for early May. Yeah, we'll start early May. And so we have one more season. We play it, what they call the USL2, which is the highest semi- pro amateur level in the country and then once our, we're building a stadium in downtown Fort Wayne and once there's a little more progress on that we'll jump to the full professional level in USL League One so it's a really exciting time that's awesome all right well we'll see you at the arc this weekend again yeah. a ton of athletic events two volleyball matches women's basketball men's basketball football on the road then they'll come back a week from Saturday for their regular season finale a lot of good sports it's crossover season uh, if you see a local sports information director, give them a hug because they're overworked and uh, it's a rough, rough time. So uh, crossover season, a couple more weeks of that. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next week.